I want to start off by telling you a story. The story is about myself, and I'm going to be very transparent this morning. And I am able to do so because what I'm going to share with you, the Lord has given me the peace to be able to share it with you because it has relevance to the message. My story starts with an email. You know, the kind that makes you say, you know what, I better address this one right away. Which I did, and you know, the news wasn't good. Because I found myself going through my emails, and sometimes emails is not one of those things that I read regularly. You can Excel the bill. <laughs> he can testify to that. Um, but on this one day, I said, let me go back and look at all those emails I have, especially your spam box. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all get a lot of junk in those boxes, you know. And, and I decided I need to go and clean out my emails. They're piling up. I'm probably missing some very, very important message. And it turned out it was true. Well, not entirely, but true enough. And so I addressed it. Um, it had a, a message that said urgent. You know, it had one of those that, you know, you are, at a, uh, you have some debts. You got to address those debts. And if you don't, you know, there's a pending warrant for your arrest. You know, you will be cited by the court and you will be asked to come for a hearing. Like I said, I'm going to be very transparent this morning. So you can imagine my surprise when I said, what, how, when, and why? You know, it just didn't make sense. But nevertheless, you know, I, I made a call, got some information, when I got the information, I kind of, you know, deciphered, well, there is some legitimacy here, but something else probably doesn't line up. Um, so I got on my knees and I prayed. And, and in my prayer, I pleaded. I didn't just ask. <laughs> I pleaded with Christ. And I said, let this not be so. And of course, I mentioned all of this, you know, I, I, because sometimes when we pray, we tend to be a little, you know, shadowy in our, you know, what we're praying about. Sometimes we have these nice, wonderful prayers. Oh, Lord, thou who made us this, you know, the heavens and the earth. And, and then there are those times when you just want to get right to it. Lord, this is my situation. It is dire. I need your help. I need it now. That was my situation. And so, like I said, I pleaded for Christ to Christ. And I said, let it not be so. Why? Because I was thinking about my job. I was thinking about my reputation. I was thinking about the negativity that will come from this, especially towards 
my brethren. I was thinking about just being newly appointed elder. This will not look good. Well, truth be told, it really wasn't the truth. It turned out that it was a fraudulent scam. But I didn't know that at the time. See, I waited on God. Well, so I thought I did. And I said that because after I spoke with the person again, because my thought was, all right, what do we have to do in order to remedy this? It may not have been the best thing for me to do, especially having prayed about it. But something told me, I listened to that other voice, not the first one, <laughs> you know, you got to remedy this. So long story short, like I said, this was really used to just scare me into making some promises of payment to satisfy this debt when I really should not have. I should have gone through the proper channels. Get a lawyer. You know, validate the story. Do a little bit more research to find out if this is legitimate. Like I said, I had debt. Yes, we all do. We have some. Some more than others. Some we don't want to talk about. That's okay. But we have debt nonetheless. Some we keep under wraps and some we're like, you know, I can address this. Let me just write a check. You know, it's that simple. But there are some, like in this case, where you probably have to dig a little deeper. Because the work that is being done out there, especially as it pertains to identity theft, right? There are ways that your information tied to your social security number can be used against you. That was my case. I suffered some loss as a result of it but not before I had proven this to be false, you know? And so what it did, it humbled me. It discouraged me. It made me fearful. Three things that are very detrimental to one's psyche. Because what fear does, it cripples you. At times it makes you go into hasty decisions. Sometimes you act on your own instead of acting with some help. You know, and the consequences, they can be severe or not. But either way, fear 
is not a good thing to operate out of. So, in my case, I was impatient. Like I said, I was fearful. And I didn't wait on God long enough. Actually, I'll, be, I'll tell you the truth. I didn't trust him fully. I prayed. Yes, I did. But I didn't act in faith. And in so doing, I'm reminded by the words of Paul out of Romans 14, 23. For whatever is not of faith is sin. I know those are some strong words. Whatever is not of faith is sin. But let, let's look at those words a little bit. Let's go into Romans 14. If you have your Bibles, please turn there with me. And let's look in the context of why Paul said this. And I'm going to start actually at verse 19. It said, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify another. It says, do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine, nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. In this case, Paul is talking about food. Because sometimes what one eats and because another doesn't eat, he can be an offense to the one who does. So Paul here is cautioning the brethren and saying, you know, whatever you have of faith, have it before God. Let your conscience be clear before God. And don't allow what you have approved to be a stumbling block to somebody else who is weak. Applying this here in the same scenario. Because of what I believe, someone may not have the same opinion. I must be careful that I, though of what I approve, I'm not causing another brother to stumbling in that same area. So, so what I'm really saying is that when you don't do something as a result of faith, it can lead to sin. So, while in the one I said, Lord, I, I believe, 
because I prayed. But in my heart, I was saying, no, you don't. My actions proved it. You know, I know it's hard to admit sometimes that, you know what, Lord, I don't believe your word, what you say. Because what was true for Elijah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and the rest of our patriarchs is not true for me. They didn't go through what I went through or I am going through right now. But hold on a minute. Our troubles can sometimes and many times blur our vision of God's work in us and for us when we are going through them. But if the curtain could just be drawn for a moment and we could see into the invisible, we will say and think differently. Let's think about the case of Abraham. Abraham had to leave his country and go somewhere that later the God, God will told him that he will make camp there. It takes a lot of faith. I don't know about you, but how many of you would, when you hear the word of God or you hear the voice of God saying, leave Tallahassee, take I-10, and just keep going, and I'll tell you when to stop. How many of you will do that? I'm just saying, just to give you an idea, in the case of Abraham. In the case of Elijah, after, you know, hearing, you know, going through this, this battle, you know, with, with, um, with Jezebel, and he felt his, his life threatened, you know, all of these other prophets were on their side. What did he say? He said, I alone stand. But the Lord had to remind him that is not true. See, because I have reserved, I believe, what, 7,000? 10,000. Thank you, Elder. Who have not bowed to Baal. In the case of Jacob, Jacob knew what he did on the behalf of his brother was wrong. And he said that I am fearful of Esau. And then, of course, he had that occasion where he wrestled with God and he said, I will not let you go until you have blessed me. But one of the promises that, that Jacob made was that if you bring me back to this place, then I will give you a tenth of everything and you will be my God. Jacob kept his promise. So these are just the examples that we have been given, I was given, to think about whenever I'm going through my situation, whenever you're going through your situation. That's why the Bible says we have these as examples for us. So that when we are having these moments when we seem weak, we can remember those that were before and be encouraged. See, I, I, I truly believe that God does not have a problem with us 
when we express our unbelief. God has a problem with us when we demonstrate pride. That's the bigger issue. Because pride is what will not allow you to humble yourself and say, Lord, this is the problem I'm dealing with and I need help because I can't handle it on my own. But if you take pride out of the way and you come to him and you humble yourself, this is what he says. Lord, he shows grace to the lowly and he lifts them up whenever he wills. But those that are of pride, he brings love. The Bible also cautions us and it tells us that pride goes before what? Exactly. So, so, he, so here's the situation. If you, are, if you go to God and you tell him what the problem is, I believe he will do with you the same way that Christ did with those two men on the road to Emmaus. He will open to you the scriptures and he will show you from the beginning unto the end, from Genesis to Revelation, why it's in your best interest to believe in him. The scripture says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Let's look at our scripture reading for a moment. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13. Actually, I'll start at verse 11 because I just schemed over and I saw I need to address 11 as well. Remember those people I mentioned, Abraham, Jacob, Elijah. Verse 11 says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the age have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will, make, will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I love that scripture. I have found comfort in it. Especially when it says that God is faithful. Because perhaps some, perhaps you may have missed it. Perhaps you may have forgotten and you need to be reminded that if you will look at the scriptures, church, even if you will look at the brethren amongst you who have testified of the goodness of God, you will find that God is faithful. From the moment you rise up in the morning to when you go to bed at night, God is faithful. 
And it tells me that he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. That tells me that God knows everything about every situation. He is never caught off guard. He's not caught by surprise. In fact, God himself is right there in the midst of it with you. But like I said, sometimes our situation seems so big that it blurs our vision and we cannot see that God is there with us. So the question does become a question of faith. Do you believe that God is there with you in the midst of it? Because if your answer is yes, then you will have the right response. And you will look at that temptation and look at it as an opportunity to honor God because he will honor you in return. When we look at the the story of Job, it's a very good story in that it lets us know that at, at times God can say, has thou considered my servant? That God, knowing who you are, what you are, why you are, and having done what he has done in your life, is able to make a boast of you to the enemy. I don't know if you got that. God is able to make a boast of you to the enemy. It's like God is saying, just in case you think you have everyone under your thumb, has thou considered my servant? Has thou considered my servant Edith? Has thou considered my servant Mary Ruth? Has thou considered my servant Maurice? Has thou considered my servant Israel? He's Neil, but I call him Israel. <laughs> but God is making a boast. And of course, the, the enemy comes with his counter-argument. He said, but he serves you just because, you know, you give him all this stuff. God is saying, I'm going to prove you wrong. You know, I'm going to take away the hedge, but don't take his life. Imagine if God can say that about you. I'm going to take away the house. I'm going to take away the car. I'm going to take away the job. I'll even go as far as letting the kids be taken. But your life is sustained. Will you still have the faith that Job had? Because God said, has thou considered my servant? I mean, we know the rest of the story that Job ended up having more at the end than he had at the beginning. But let us, let us not miss the point. It is God that willed and worked out his good pleasure. You see, I, I look at this idea of temptation 
And as I said, it comes as an occasion to glorify God. See, as a child of God, that should be our reasoning. That should be the point from which we respond when temptation comes. Romans 12 says, Brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's a living sacrifice because you are still breathing. Not that you are laying in the grave somewhere, but that you are breathing, you are alive. And so, therefore, every moment is an occasion for you to present yourself as a sacrifice to God. You see, the reason I believe God also makes a way of escape is because he is the way. The psalmist said, the, Lord, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runs into it and is safe. Proverbs 18.10. Sorry, it meant the psalmist, I mean Solomon. The problem here is not the temptation but the problem is your method of deliverance. Because Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tell us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. We can quote that in our sleep. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. But do not lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Not in some, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. So the question is, are you going to trust God and let him take you through the trial? Or are you going to trust in your own understanding and try to deliver yourself by your own hand? Because if you choose the first option, God is glorified. If you choose the second, you forfeit your deliverance. You rob God of an occasion to be glorified, thus solidifying your faith in him. And here's the third part. You give further proof of who your true allegiance belongs to. Allegiance, yes, I said the word allegiance because that's really what it's about. Who are you aligning yourself with in this great controversy that we hear about? Because Christ said, if you are his, then you will hear his voice. And you will do the will of God. If you are not, then you are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. So Paul, in his letter to the Romans, cautioned us. He says, Know you not that to whom you yield yourself, Servants to obey. His servants you are to whom you obey. Whether of sin unto death. Or obedience unto righteousness. Whether of sin unto death. Or obedience unto righteousness. So when you look at the temptation. When you look at the trials. 
be very careful in the conclusion that you come to about the trial. Because James 1 tells us, and let's go there for a moment. I'm going to wrap it up in a second. James 1, when speaking about temptation, And it starts in really verse 13. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of, of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That was verse 12, sorry. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So do not be deceived, my brethren. As I mentioned, be very careful the conclusion that you come to about that temptation. Because if you see that that temptation is an occasion to sin, then you know that is not of God. But if that an occasion is an occasion to glorify God, then you know that it is from Him. And if you realize that the, that the temptation or the trial came as an occasion to cause you to sin, then you can turn to the promise in 1 Corinthians verse chapter 10, where it says, the Lord is faithful, where he will make a way of escape so that you are able to bear it. I entitled the sermon, It is Written, because I was thinking about the temptation that Christ went through. And for every attack that he had, his words were, it is written. Because his defense, his deliverance was in the word of God. I'm saying to you today that no matter what you're going through, whatever trial, your deliverance, your assurance comes in the words, it is written. Yes, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord. But it is also written, That God is faithful. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. So for those of you who are going through those trials where it seems like the weight of the world is on your shoulder and you cannot bear it. Remember those words. 
he will not suffer you to be tempted beyond that you are able. God has a confidence in you as his children that whatever you are going through and, the, and you are going through it to the degree that you are going through is because he believes that you are able to bear it to that degree. If it becomes too much, he in his mercy and his love will take you out of it so that you do not dishonor him. I pray that as an encouragement to you because as you look at your life, as you look at your calling as children of God, that no matter what you are faced with, you realize that God is glorifying himself through you. God is a spirit. We are flesh. So he needs that, that body to show himself to those that are of like state, meaning they are like flesh. In order for them to have a belief that God is who he is. So, so the question is, will you allow yourself to be that agent, that vessel that God uses to magnify himself to his, to this people? It is one thing for us to speak a good word, but it is another to live that word. Because I've heard it said, I would rather see a sermon any day than hear a sermon. So my encouragement to you, brothers and sisters, is that you will face your trials, your temptations, as a good soldier, as one that has been called and approved by God to face it. Because he doesn't call you and just leave you out there. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. But he calls you, and not only that, he equips you for the trial. And, in so, and by so equipping you, he proves himself as the deliverer that he says that he is. So take him at his word. Trust him. As I told you, I was very transparent at the beginning. And the reason I was able to, again, is because God gave me the peace that I needed to know that, first of all, I wasn't the only one that this has happened to. You know, a lot of people have been scammed before. But I had to know that God is able to restore. And so no matter what I have lost, even if I don't get it back, that's okay. But I believe someone, by hearing my words today, are encouraged. Someone is strengthened. So, so brothers, when we say to someone else, I know what you're going through, let us be honest about that. Because it will be a real benefit and a help to that person to know that you are sincere about it. Because if you are not able to relate to that person, you're not really helping them. So I pray that this word has encouraged you. 
I pray that it has strengthened your faith in God. And I pray that it will encourage you to trust in what his word says, because it is written.